Hello, and welcome back to Fox Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Hannah and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. Going better for me than it's going for you, Mav. Yeah. <laughs> you go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead and gloat. <laughs> go, go ahead. I mean, go ahead. Okay, but I'll say that now that I am gloating on the air, something bad is going to happen to me. Oh, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. No matter if I gloat or don't gloat, care or don't care, I'm never, what I'm talking about for listeners is I'm never going to win the box office game. It's just never going to happen. You are currently in the lead. You I are mean, currently comfortably in the lead, in fact. But, like, it's March, and it's because I have the Batman. That's it. That's the only reason I'm in the lead. Let's be real. So what I'm talking about <laughs> is, like, despite DC having, like, these big, like, splashy promos of the four big movies that they had coming out this year, which was the Batman, Black Adam, Aquaman 2, The Flash. They decided to, like, just change their schedule completely, and they've bumped Black Adam back to October. They've removed The Flash and Aquaman from the schedule, and now Shazam 2, which wasn't even supposed to come out this year, is slated to go up against Avatar 2. So no one picked Shazam 2, because we all thought it was coming out next year. So Mav has lost The Flash, Yes. and Monica (laughs) has lost Aquaman, and also Mav has lost, like, already had lost Mission Impossible 7, so you gotta hope that Avatar 2 actually comes out this year and people actually want to see it. It will. J- James Cameron will cure cancer in order to make people watch that movie. Anytime <laughs> you talk about James Cameron, anytime. I just remember that really old, probably from the first Avatar movie, South Park segment about James Cameron does what James, I don't know. So something about James Cameron doesn't do what James Cameron does for James Cameron. James Cameron does what he does because he is James Cameron. I have never watched more of South Park than that one little clip, but that is stuck in my mind for like 10 years. It's pretty accurate. I mean, I don't, yeah, you're, I mean, you're in pretty good shape and I think you're dooming yourself, but I, I, I am not, but like I, when I showed the list to Josh after we picked and he said, you don't have very bit, many big movies, Hannah, do you? And I said, no, thank you for rubbing it in. <laughs> so. Yeah, but all your big movies are coming out still. I mean, I've lost. <laughs> yeah, l- losing Flash hurt. I was I was really like I was counting on that one. I mean, I've got Thor Love and Thunder. I'm, I'm expecting to make big money there. But losing both Mission Impossible and Flash, that can kill my game this year. So I'm in trouble. But you, you want to know something sad? What's that? Oh, that, that affects all of us. Dog with Channing Tatum got actually such high Rotten Tomatoes reviews and has made enough money that it was a better pick than some of our movies, including, I think, in fact, Marry Me and Death on the Nile. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, So... Should pick anyway, dog. Anyway, I, I thought about it, but it's uh, that's the game. <laughs> uh, Wayne, how about you? How are you doing? I'm all right. I got nothing. <laughs> uh, I'm not nothing new. I so. Well, so this is this week's show because you know you mentioned the box office game, and Hannah, you said you are in the lead off the strength of the Batman, and we were talking about that, and you said, "How have we gone two hundred some odd episodes without ever doing a show about Batman?" And I pointed out we did. It, it, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. You know what I meant. You. Well, you you did. Yes. I mean, it, it counts in the sense we released it and it's a good episode, but it doesn't count in the sense that like it wasn't a topic generated by us or users. You were on a conference panel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But but it was like, you know, it was a whole show and, and just nobody else showed up but me. I wasn't invited. <laughs> You could have you you totally could have come up to up to Bowling Green, Ohio, and presented at the conference just like I did. That's I, <laughs> yeah, but my, my my you know what I mean. We didn't have yes. to rehash this again. Yes. Anyway, I I thought it was an interesting idea, and we're gonna talk about the movie a little bit. Wayne hasn't seen the movie yet, but we're gonna talk about the concept of Batman in general and the mm. pop culture character that is Batman. Wayne, have you heard of the Batman? A couple of times. I, okay. I'm, I'm vaguely aware of the concept. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see this movie, see what I can learn about this character. <laughs> okay, well, we also, we did invite a guest. Neither Katya nor Monica could be with us today, so we invited a guest to join us, someone who also knows something <laughs> about, about Batman, a little something. Welcoming back to the show, our very first guest, actually, John Dorowski. Hey, John. Hello. Hey, John. Thank you for saying through all that nonsense. 
I got to listen live to what I usually listen to on the recording. <laughs> well, and, and you, um, your brothers also play this game on their show. So I imagine yeah. you hear lots of box off talk just in general whenever you're, you know, just at a family dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a topic that uh, came up a lot more when movies were coming out regularly. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> like we, well, they're we starting to talk about the box office each week at a family dinner, but yeah, it's not as common now. Movies are starting to happen. There, there are occasional movies now. Yeah, I think that um, with the top ten, number ten is still mm-hmm. in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they're they're, uh, they're it, it's still it's still it'll be a while, but you know we've got at least enough to make the game interesting. But well, let's start with the movie with the Batman movie. John, did you see it? I wasn't planning on it because I had an essay about Batman due next week, but that deadline got pushed back. Oh, okay. so I did go out and see it the other day. <laughs> Okay. And Hannah saw it and I saw it. Wayne has not. So I guess first we should talk. And again, for the listeners, this is not just an episode about the movie. So there'll be minimal spoilers here. But yeah, I'm okay. For the record, I'm okay with that. I plan on yeah. seeing it. But yeah. I will, you know, I will try to do a spoiler warning before we say anything. But I'll take my earbuds out. Yeah. <laughs> but just in general, what did people think of it? I thought it was a good movie. Very solid. Not great, but very but enjoyable. Especially especially if you accept it for what it is about noir mystery crime drama. Okay. I felt similarly. I was like, this is fine. I mean, I like the reviews were kinder to it than I was. I did not. I certainly enjoyed myself. I was not sad that I went and saw it. I think we could have cut it down by about 30 minutes. It's kind of long. That's exactly what I felt is. And I have issues. Well, we'll talk about my feelings about Batman in general, which might have colored how I took it in. But uh, before we go there, Hannah, what'd you think? You you know what I think. Uh, I know what you think. I, well, first of all, I've been re-watching Batman movies or are watching some for the first time in preparation for this episode. And first of all, there are a lot of bad Batman movies. Oh. So like, it's it's not real. It, you know, it's well, when someone says something is like the best Batman movie or close to the best, what are they really saying? Like, there's like maybe three good Batman movies and like, they're not like great art, which is you know, like, no. <laughs> Nolan people are going to come after me, but that's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. First of all, the, this was the strongest, like, beginning Batman movie, period. Like, Batman Begins is boring. The 1989 Batman is a fever dream. It is painful to watch, in my wow. opinion. Not 1989, it wasn't. Well, I wasn't even alive yeah. in 1989. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it is painful. Catwoman's in it. So, like, obvious. Honestly, I think that it was more interesting than most of what Nolan did. And I'm not saying it's a better overall film than the dark knight but i think i was more interested also it like there i think it's, it's i think it's because like the, i i like noir stuff and that was interesting to me and i think that robert pattinson is my favorite batman also there's a great spot in the middle of the movie where if you have to pee in the theater you can just like go oh yeah, yeah. and like come back and like yeah, you haven't yeah. missed anything <laughs> I, I, without any spoilers except for like what is the basic thing like that car like there's a car chase and like if you just go at the very it's, like beginning like you can go to the bathroom come back and it's still going on it's the fine. car chase is 45 minutes long it's a lot <laughs> <laughs> i mean now it is as far as movie car chases go again without this is not spoilers yeah there's a car chase there's a batmobile car chase in the film okay wow yes as far as car chases go in action movies it is remarkable remarkably well done it is a very good action movie car chase but it is long there's a lot of car chases i'm not like saying it's a yeah i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying like if you don't want to miss the character development and like the detective parts like you know the car chase is a good place to go because like apparently all movies are three hours long now yes and there's no intermission and sometimes you have to pee even if you don't drink water before you go to the theater and you don't get a drink while you're there because there's still COVID. I'm just saying yeah, the car chase is a good place to go. Without exaggeration the car chase is a good six minutes or so I would guess. It, it's it And it feels long. You can tell. It just feels like it's going on for a while. I just before we talk any spoilers I would like to actually, Monica did see it. In fact Monica texted us right before we went on the air Monica texted us from the movie theater saying that she'd just gotten out and seen it. So, so, so her 
her initial take is, I am on board with the general consensus. This was better than Nolan. I would go that best Batman movies are Batman and Robin, and then this one as tied for first. <laughs> yeah, Monica <laughs> loves Batman and Robin, as she said on the show before. We understand that she's wrong. We love her anyway. Okay, Wait, so that's just what I, she said. I also would say this movie is the most politically interesting. Like, mm, yeah, well, oh, okay. Yeah, again, not a high bar. I, really? Okay, but- so here's where it's weird. Go ahead. The Batman 66 movie had the UN Security Council. It's That's not political. What that- is it? <laughs> Well, I think it's I think it's the most politically interesting in that I think that this is very much of the time. This is a Batman for 2022. And, yeah. um, you know, OK, granted, Hannah thinks that 1989's Batman was boring, but I would argue. I didn't think know, it was boring. I said it was a fever dream. I think Batman okay. Begins is boring. Well, OK. Well, okay, OK. All right. We'll, we'll get to it. I think Batman 89 is very much the Batman that the world needed in 1989. I think it's it's perfect. I think it's a perfect movie. It fits in for what I needed. I think it's I think there's a lot of interesting politics in it. I think it's an interesting movie that is very much of the transition into the from the 80s into the 90s. It's exactly the movie I wanted to be from that era. And to be fair, as Hannah pointed out, she was negative one year old. So different. You know, she doesn't have that context in, in the same way. But I remember seeing it in theaters going, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I've watched Batman 89 many times since then and I actually think it stands up but I've got lived context as opposed to just sort of I have a question about 89 Mm -hmm. for for the panel so there's a really funny meme that someone made of (laughs) Dr. Manhattan and it begins with I you know I am like in you know 1989 and I'm watching a darker grittier Batman movie and then like you know moves on to like the Nolan era and it's like I am watching a darker grittier Batman movie and then moves on to the 2022 movie is like i'm in 2022 and i'm watching a darker grittier batman movie do people actually think the 1989 movie is darker and grittier i know it has like yes. a dark aesthetic at, because at it's that, Tim Burton, at that time, time. At yeah, that see, time, that's the context. Yeah. yeah. At that time, at that time, we saw that and we and we were like, wow, Batman can be serious. This is almost yeah. like yeah, that, it that's was, the it first was, Batman we'd seen on, on screen since Batman 66 and the or cartoons. The, 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 the yeah. cartoons, yeah. 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 So at that time, and and or, those, well, those on, those were, say, <laughs> by cartoons for our listeners who grew up yeah. seeing Kevin Conroy cartoons by Paul Denny, no, we mean or, since Super Friends. Super Friends, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean those of us who had been reading comics were prime for that because of Dark Knight and and Batman Year One and Killing Joke. Mm-hmm. But in in terms of the public perception of Batman, it was Batman 66 all the way. Right. And, and there, that movie went a long way toward cementing that image of Batman in the general public outside of comics fandom. When there's the moment in Batman 89. So, OK, this is I don't we don't need a spoiler morning for Batman 1989, do we? If you, you know, if you no. haven't seen yeah. Batman 89, I, tough. But the, in the moment in in Batman 89, when Bruce, when Joker confronts Bruce um, and Vicky and Bruce. Bruce grabs the poker and goes, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like he, he does that line, right? And Michael Keaton, the actor, plays the character as Batman instead of as Bruce Wayne in that moment. And you can tell, even though he's not in the mask. And I remember people talking about it going, oh, my God, Michael Keaton pulled it off. He's Batman. He feels like Batman there. It was massive and, talk. And, and the pushback against him when he was announced as the, the yeah. actor playing the part, the pushback was just like, oh, my God, he's not Batman. What are people doing? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. people hated the idea. Um, there's a long storied history of people hating the idea of Batman yeah. casting. I was <laughs> yeah. going to say, is there right. a Batman casting that people actually were on board with? No. As Yeah, because like, you know, everyone's now crazy about Robert Pattinson, but everyone when he got cast it's like he's edward cullen from twilight what has he ever done except you know literally everything including the lighthouse yeah yeah he's and frankly he's the reason you hate him as edward cullen from twilight is because he was very good at being edward cullen from twilight like that's that's not pattinson being bad that's the character <laughs> well, and, and, and that's one of those things that twilight had a tremendous number of haters of people who never read it never intended to so and, but that's yeah, all other from, topic yeah, yeah yeah anyway the point being in 89 i thought this was was perfect. 
I think it's interesting seeing what this film is for 2022, especially comparing it to the fact that we have that fleck at the same time. And we're about to get Michael Keaton back, or at least, you know, we thought we were, but apparently we're not getting that till next year, as we did talked about in the intro to the show. So I think that putting this in the political cultural space of 2022 I think it fits a lot better than Batman 89 does. But I also think that Nolan's Batman was perfect for its era, too. And frankly, I kind of like Batman 66. I think Batman 66 really holds up. I think Nolan's Batman did. I mean, I mean, like Robert Pattinson, like talked about this in an interview and talked about, you know, like, you know, a post 9-11 world. And like, especially The Dark Knight Rises is a movie that is responding to that period in time, but in a not interesting way to me, because like basically The Dark Knight Rises, I I know you you all will list off the comic references, but it's basically Dickens is a tale of two cities, like down to the politics of that 19th century novel. Dark Knight Rises is exactly... Yeah, yeah, you might be saying like, well, duh, Hannah, like it ends with Jim Gordon reading the end of the book. But like, Mm -hmm. if you read A Tale of Two Cities all the way through and have analyzed it, it is a deeply conservative novel about the French Revolution, yes, but not just about the French Revolution. It's speaking to a historic moment much later in time in the Victorian period. You know, there, there was like... Shocker, a lot of class conflict in the Victorian period and a lot of people without. And, you know, the best of times and the worst of times is talking about the fact that, like, there there are two different nations. There's the wealthy nation and the poor nation. And it was true in the 18th century and it's still true in the 19th century. And it's still true in, you know, the 2000s when Nolan's making this movie. And, you know, there there's all sorts of like crowd imagery in a tell two cities and you're supposed to be scared of the crowd. You're supposed to be scared of the revolutionaries. You should be interested in more measured steps and reform. And Nolan takes like revolutionary energy and makes it something scary for the 2000s as well and really tries his darndest to, you know, argue against revolution. And so do you like that movie or no? I wasn't sure. Oh, I love okay. well, I hate the politics, but there is like this, like there's always like this complication that like is also true of the 22 film. Although I think that 2022 is more complicated than that reading of A Tale of Two Cities and Dark Knight Rises. But like there's always this complication with Catwoman because she exists in like a liminal space and it has her foot like in the revolutionary politics, but she's not quite submerged in the crowd. I love Anne Hathaway's performance. I love the very final shot. It's not a good really? movie. Really? Okay. Because yeah. see, Dark Knight Rises, and I'm curious what Wayne and, and John think. Dark Knight Rises is my least favorite of the Nolan films, easily. I but like you're hard on no, I think she, I think Anne Hathaway is the good part of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, you know, no, totally. I think, and I think Hardy is the interesting part of Dark Knight Rises. There was a choice made there that I think is fascinating. My primary anecdote there is most of that movie You're is filmed like two blocks from the store. Yep. Yeah. 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 I mean, and also, yes, also Wayne is in darkness. I mean, I was in the stadium when they blew it up. Yes. So, so, so if you can pick out the right yellow dot, that's. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's not a good film. I agree that it's probably the weakest of the Nolan trilogy, um, but the Nolan trilogy is still some of the best superhero, or definitely best Batman movies and some of the best superhero movies we've had. So am I the unpopular opinion person who hates Batman Begins and everyone else thinks it's really good? Okay, I'll take some of the heat off, Hannah, before all the listeners just hate you. So here's the thing with Batman, and, and I say this as someone currently writing a chapter in a book about Batman, as John is also as well. Batman is... Two books. Yeah, well... yeah here's the thing batman's boring i kind of don't really care for him (laughs) and 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 this yeah this jumps into the larger conversation because i said before we started i was afraid of sounding like the hater here i love superheroes i love batman i've Uh also been involved with batman for 
like 56 of my 60 years, I, I have a certain <laughs> amount of Batman fatigue. I, you know, one of the reasons I haven't seen this movie yet is I have a tough time working up excitement for it. I, I've seen a lot of Batman. I've right. read a lot of Batman. Mav, you said in the blog, I think, and, and I agree, Batman is in many ways the least interesting member Absolutely. of the continuity for me. I am a big, I'm a big fan of the concept of Batman and, and all the best Batman doesn't have to do with him. So like Batman Begins, I like because because the Nolan Batman is very heavy on Batman and I, I don't really care about Batman. I do find it interesting seeing Bruce Wayne like trying to decide if he wants to be Batman like I like it was of the on-screen origins of Batman that is easily my favorite one of you know of all the time of all the times I've had to sit through watching you know Martha's Pearls get spilled and everything like that I think Batman Begins is the one where I'm like oh okay I actually I feel like you've done something here I find it fascinating just Batman as a character how big the concept is and how many versions Right. The container that is Batman holds. I think that like part of the reason I sound maybe like a hater is because I like like some of you have a very particular idea of like what I want my Batman mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. And I, think, that, I think that's true of everyone. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. part of what leads to the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And something I like about Batman 2022, why I say it's the strongest starting film is also, I think partially, I think maybe not just Batman, but we all have like origin story fatigue to some degree. Like, like, and this is not really an origin story. Like it, it certainly like hints at, you know, his like childhood trauma and he's still like a new Batman, but it's not like the Batman begins story again. Like he's already like out there. It's like, you know, Mm -hmm. Batman year two. I, I think one of the things that has happened in, I mean, since Dark Knight Returns, you know, the 86, the Frank Miller thing is it feels to me like the possibilities for Batman have gotten smaller. Mm-hmm. Like everybody who makes a movie, we are locked into this grim, gritty, Dark Knight, troubled, deranged, vengeance seeking monster, in, for lack of a better word. And anything that slips out of that, you have the contingent of not my Batman. And, you know, I just feel like I, I personally have seen, I love that one, you know, 86. I mean, that was such a radical change in, in concept for the character. Maybe not radical, but it felt what? huge. Well, it and, felt and huge. I like a lot of that stuff, but I've just had so much of it. And, you know, some of my favorite Batmans of the last 20 years or so. I mean, the Batman animated cartoon, I think that yeah. may be my favorite overall Batman because I think Mine it's too. a perfect distillation of all the elements. My Batman is Kevin Conroy. Like and yeah. I said before, for the project that I'm doing, I have recently reread the entirety of Tom King's most recent Batman mm-hmm. Rebirth series. It's 80 issues. I read the entire thing in the last week. When well, I read I, a Batman comic, well, I hear Kevin Conroy in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I, I was going to say my favorite Batman of the last 20 years is that Tom King run. It was the first mm-hmm. time I'd really read Batman. I, mean, I worked at the store. I read Batman. But to really be engaged in the book, that yeah. was the first run in a long time. That first really time I've 20 years (laughs) and and some of it because in that i thought tom king went a long way toward humanizing him again we saw him go on double dates he wasn't just this driven violence crazed creature of the night Mm -hmm. my other favorite batman in the last 20 years is the brave and the bold cartoon which was just this wacky fun romp through the weirdest shit in the dc universe so what did you think about the batman lego movie i thought that was a lot of fun as well yeah i I, I thought that was great Mm -hmm. and i think you know the by making it lego it removes it from reality enough that people can accept that more so just i'm gonna spoil the film slightly here so spoiler alert Talking a little bit about the movie, this worked for me because unlike previous Batman movies, this is them trying to deconstruct, and I mean actually deconstruct, the idea of what is Batman. Rather than this be a movie of, well, this is, you know, this is me trying to do my best best impression of Frank Miller's Batman. This was a movie of figuring out what Batman is. Robert Pattinson does not play Bruce Wayne in this movie. This is a, is it an origin story? No, it's year two of Batman. 
and during this version of the story, he is not really, he's a shut-in. You never see him as Bruce Wayne because the character of Bruce Wayne, and if you're a big Batman fan, I'm sure we'll talk about this, you know, you know, Bruce Wayne is the mask, you know, Batman is the real guy. And this is a story about a guy who has not invented the Bruce Wayne mask yet. So he doesn't know how to be a billionaire playboy. And he's just going around trying to figure out what it is that Batman does. And then it's a cop movie. It's a detective movie. It's Batman and his partner, Jim Gordon, trying to solve this this mystery, this murder mystery. It's, and, it's, it's not just Jim Gordon, though, is it? It's no. there, there's a third. There's always a third in a noir. And that is the film. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, well, but, well, but, not but, she, but they meet Fatale, her. but she's an active partner in like the oh, Soviet well, she, no, she is a femme fatale in the yeah. actual film noir sense where she is yes. part of the story. Um, not femme fatale. I don't mean like a stop character. I mean, she is, they meet her over the course of this movie. They don't know her when it starts. He yeah. meets her in the story. So this opens up with, there's a mystery and Jim Gordon calls in his friend, the Batman to help solve the mystery. And this is them going to solve this murder mystery. And that's the story. It's it is it's set up like a CSI or a law and order. And then, yes, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle becomes a part of the team. And she's excellent in it. Everybody's good at it. Jeffrey Wright is great as, as Jim Gordon. Robert Pattinson is great as, as Bruce Wayne. It works. My hesitancy with it is, yes, it's interesting seeing the interplay between Batman, Selena, and Jim. And I'm calling her Selena and him Batman because she hasn't invented the Catwoman identity yet. And he hasn't really invented the Bruce Wayne identity. So you see them interacting with each other. And it's interesting but I'm only willing to go as far as saying it's interesting because it's still a movie about Batman. And to me, he's the least interesting part of the Batman mythos, right? Like I'd rather see a story about Selena Kyle. I'd rather see a story about Dick Grayson. I'd rather see a story about anybody else, which that's not what they gave me. This doesn't have to be the perfect movie for me, but that's why it, it has it for me as or, opposed to dark, as opposed to the dark Knight, mm -hmm. which is a movie about the Joker. And I found the, and I love that movie because I think that Nolan's take on, Let's try and break down this character who cannot be broken down. He doesn't even know his own history. I thought Ledger and Nolan put together a brilliant story about the Joker that Batman happens to be in. So that's I, why I like yeah. that movie better. I, I can I think that the most exciting thing that the comics has ever done that like in the long term, like the major movies have never done is show a relationship on screen between Batman and Catwoman. And mm -hmm. yeah, this is just what I'm going to always default to. It was for listeners. This was my first ship. I was like mm -hmm. five. I think it was just simple <laughs> as she's a cat. That's awesome. Anyway, but like, you know, like, like long term, like, 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 you know, like the Keaton movies, like go through a girl, a movie, or like, 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 you know, the Nolan movie is like he ends up with selena but like she's in one movie after like rachel rachel who i think the part of the reason i was a whiner about the first two nolan movies is because there was no Catwoman. anyway <laughs> not the point but like that you know the you know the really like the you know um comic you alluded to earlier where batman and catwoman are engaged and go on a double date with superman lois lane that kind of stuff is like what makes the comics like far more interesting than like some of the movies when it comes to relationships and i feel like by introducing catwoman at the beginning of this new series and theoretically she's going to come back because the major actors have signed deals to come back like there could actually be like a relationship that plays out over the course of several movies and we can actually see it develop that would be really interesting i mean of course like five years later that might not happen, and I'll just whine on the air again. I don't get what I want. Well, let's be fair about it, because so again, I know Hannah's read part of the Tom King round because I made her do it this week for the show. Uh, Wayne, I know you started reading Batman at the beginning of the Tom King run, and ten issues in, got me to read it by going, "Mav, are you reading Tom King's Batman?" And I was, and I said, "No, of course not. Why would I want to read Batman? Because I don't care." And you're like, "No, really, tr trust me, read this." And it's like, eh. and then finally, you you just like stayed on me and finally like 10 issues in i was like all right let me read one of them and it's and, like oh my god this is good and if you remember my recommendations at the time i was kind of like with everybody's like i'm don't really quite believe this either but i'm recommending batman really right right, <laughs> right. and john have you read it you've read the tom king runner or you haven't not the entirety of it okay 
I would argue one that, I always need to get back to, but yeah. just haven't had well, the time. Yet. Yeah. So the thing that I think is interesting about it is what Hannah is saying is what I want out of Batman, right? I want to see the relationship between Catwoman and Bruce build. I want to see stories about Bruce and his relationship with Selena or Bruce and his relationship with Dick or Tim or Damien or Stephanie or Alfred. But most of the time it's not there. And most of the time in the Batman proper books, at least for me, it's uh, people are very much, oh, I want to see this kick-ass ninja guy, this kick-ass detective guy i think most people see batman as this character who is the pinnacle of what man can do if he is determined enough and that's what he's supposed to be but that bores me what i find interesting is he's this guy who he's this guy who trained himself to be the perfect weapon the perfect detective the perfect scientist and now here's his adopted son just trying to keep up and those things of him being the the best at everything i can't relate to that at all anymore right yeah and and i've had you know these conversations a million times in the store i can't relate to superman he's too powerful he can beat anybody well why do you like batman well because if he's prepared he can beat anybody right um and, which makes it interesting that i can say one of my favorite batman stories is a comic book called tower of babel and if you've never read it, mm-hmm. it's it's made into a cartoon that's prob- that you can watch on HBO Max called Justice League Doom. And in this story, a supervillain breaks into the Bat computer and steals Batman's plans for defeating the Justice League. And then he does. And then the entire story is is you know him saying, "Oh my God, someone's stolen my plans to defeat the Justice League. Everybody's in trouble." And then Superman going, "Why do you have plans to defeat us?" And Batman's like, "Because you're the Justice." League league and superman's like we don't have plans to defeat you and batman says then you're damn fools because that's who batman is that's what mm-hmm. batman is the guy who always has a plan and that's interesting but it's not the most interesting to me it's just who he is like that's not a story to me usually mm-hmm. oh babel is an tara babel is an exception yeah well, given all this discussion we've had so far and for me how batman's kind of the least interesting part of the mythos I think we might want to look at why Batman matters in popular culture and superheroes. So a lot of my recent research on Batman is in the golden age. And I think a good argument is that Batman made the superhero genre. Superman was the first superhero. Right. But Batman proved it was repeatable. Repeatable. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. That you can make another superhero that's different and that this concept could become its own genre. Because Superman's stories in the beginning were he's a sci-fi character doing social justice. Then Batman comes in and you have this difference that says, oh, we can take the same, some of these same ideas and do different characters. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. also Batman introduces the real concept of the supervillain when the Joker's introduced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you also have the sidekick with Robin. And so historically, Batman is really important to the genre. That doesn't necessarily lead to longevity just because something's important doesn't mean it's going to last forever right. we can uh, several characters that there's a reason uh, that, there's a reason that like our listeners don't know who spring hill jack is but like me and john are like oh yeah spring hill jack <laughs> but spring hill jack's super important to superhero genre and i'm not sure even hannah and wayne have ever read spring hill oh, jack yeah. oh yeah okay yeah. victorian superhero mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, or supervillain depends on which yeah. depends on the, right, the yeah, story. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, but John's point I think is important, right? Like Batman, Batman is historically important, but also if there are five superheroes that need no introduction, everybody says they're tired of origin stories, but you're only tired of origin stories because you know stuff, right? You don't need an origin story for Batman, Superman, Spider Man. Wonder Woman. Wolverine, maybe Wonder Woman. I don't know about Wonder Woman. Like Wonder Woman, I've I learned like when the Wonder Woman movie came out, I talked to people, like just friends of mine who were like, She's from an island. And I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> you know, because like, that, that wasn't she didn't have, you know, she was in cartoons, but they never explored that in right. popular media. Yeah. Right. You know, so, I, so comics fans knew that, but Right. So like so may, maybe Wonder Woman, but like I don't know that you but Batman, I think you definitely don't need that origin. How did he get there, right? Right? Because you can't. Money. No. Uh, the other thing, well, the really interesting thing about this is with the origin, mm-hmm. you got it in the comic books repeated several times because you had new readers come on and they would write right. the same stories over and over for a couple of decades. But it wasn't shown on screens until like the last season of Super Friends. It was it had been written as a pilot for a Batman show that mm-hmm. never came, and they took that script and it turned it into a Super Friends episode right. in the early '80s. That was the first time it had been shown on screen, and so we say, oh no, you know, like you don't need to tell the Batman origin. 
that's like only halfway through his run his lifetime now that has become a thing right right it's and i don't i mean can you get away with it i mean obviously you can because this new movie doesn't do it but but it's so important to his motivation and why he is the batman that you can't avoid having it come up some way but even that depends on which version of batman you're talking about batman 66 you don't need his origin right none none of that is his motivation in that iteration of batman Mm -hmm. i mean i think marvel probably did it well but the new iteration of spider-man with tom holland like they they smartly like sort of alluded to ben parker in like Mm -hmm. the first introduction civil war but they didn't like do the whole story i mean like the reason why people i think didn't really go see the andrew garfield movies was because like toby mcguire's stuff had just ended and they didn't show anything that different on mm-hmm. screen in principle. Like, I, I mean, you the Nolan movies are solid movies by, like, objective metric, no matter what, you know, my loud opinions are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can go back and use them, or you can watch, like, all the other Batman things. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, and this movie kind of does the Spider-Man thing, right? Like, where you can, you those origins are a part of the character, and you know they're there. Right. And you see that in little moments and it's just explored a different way that makes it more interesting than like watching the Waynes get murdered in an alley again. So like I think it's I think it's like not just like what stories we tell, but like the way we tell them, which is I think why like get you know, that like like Batman is still one of the most popular superhero characters. He's not the most popular that's Spider-Man, which we have not done an episode on. We should, but you know, getting that in there. But like, you know, like he he's still like one of the most popular characters. Yeah. And like I, I think that maybe he's not as popular as Spider-Man because Spider-Man is an everyman who has a class consciousness and Batman's a billionaire, but Catwoman has the class consciousness in Batman that keeps it relevant, <laughs> keeps it going. Well, that's kind of what I think John's asking, right? Like, why Batman? Like, Batman's not first, he's second after Superman. And he's not the most relatable. Spider-Man's certainly more relatable. Like, there's there are always better options, but Batman is enduringly popular in a way that, honestly, in a way that Spider-Man and Superman and Wonder Woman aren't, right? They have Spider-Man, Superman, and Wonder Woman all ebb and flow. Even, I mean, you even alluded to it, right? Like, people got sick of Spider-Man with the Tobey Maguire movies. You know, Andrew Garfield's a great actor, but those movies felt like a cash grab. And then we you know we look at like superman movies they fell apart at one point all the batman movies good or bad you know they're watchable people are interested even you know people make fun of batman and robin but it's you know there something's happening there i actually kind of find batman forever and batman and robin refreshing in that he's trying to do something different schumacher is trying to do something different than tim burton was doing and you know i like seeing their take I and I don't know that, that works for everybody, right? Like, it, it nothing feels like a cash grab the way that the Andrew Garfield movies felt. The Andrew Garfield movies felt like they're only here because Sony is cynically saying you'll pay for anything. That's, that's how it felt. Oh, no, no, how so, Batman so, got there. How yeah, did so, Batman get to where we're making Lego movies about him? And I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, yeah, the all the different iterations of him over the years. I mean, how has he? Because you know, Batman of 2022 is not Batman of 1952 by any long stretch of the imagination right so I mean, why was he that popular then why does he maintain that popularity i mean what is it about the character that has sunk so deep into our public consciousness john do you have ideas about it because you i mean you, it's your question but you're yeah. also the one who's probably writing about it more. yeah part of it is the versatility of the character when they it was created in 39 this was a year after superman these guys had no idea what a superhero would be these creators weren't planning for longevity they weren't expecting these characters to be around 90 years later and so they tried everything and mm-hmm. batman would go on time travel stories or they do a science fiction thing and i became embedded as part of the mythology that batman could kind of do anything and i think another part of it uh, brought up class interests a lot but i think the gender politics of the of batman are also important because he present represents a certain type of masculinity that stoic rugged individualism that is appealing to a lot of readers but it also doesn't really work in reality and that's something that's not often addressed mm-hmm 
Well, again, that's, uh, I should point out, I've talked about this a little bit with Andrew DeMond, my Claremont run, my co-host on my other show. He is a fan of the Tom King run as well, but admits that he has not read a lot of other Batman. One of the reasons is because Batman is defined by a stoic masculinity that, as John said, just can't really happen. The Tom King run, one of the reasons I like it so much, it's about the failings of this. Hannah, if you read the entire thing, you'd love it. Yep. Catwoman oh, features wants... prominently. Oh, I know. I read, I read more than that double eight, double date episode. Okay. I also, by the way, hilariously, just side note, I know you're making a larger point, but I just want to say that when all the Robins and Nightwing gather around after he and mm-hmm. Lena get engaged, they're like, what have we done to drive him to to marry this horrible villainess? I was amused, probably for the wrong reasons, because, um, you know. Yeah. It's well, and that's kind of that's kind of what what makes it work, right? Like the Tom King story ends with them uh, spoilers for it or not spoilers or I mean, it's been out for a while, but, you know, spoilers for the Tom King Batman. Spoiler alert. It ends with them not getting married because DC slash Warner Brothers wants Batman to be single. Except that it's written vaguely enough that maybe they did get married because Tom King is clearly like, fuck it, but they did. And, and it's not terribly clear. He leaves the book and he goes on to write a book called Batman and Catwoman, I think it's actually called. It's still being published as it, uh, it's going to be a 12 issue limited series. The first 10 are out, so it's not over yet. They appear to be married in that, but it's not clear exactly in what time period it's set. And Tom King, if you're a fan of him, he does this sort of thing a lot. He doesn't really care about continuity. He wrote this very brilliant Mr. Miracle series, and it's really good. And it's supposed to be in DC continuity, but I don't know when. And DC doesn't know when either. It's just kind of <laughs> it exists when it exists. Yeah. His, his um, most recent Adam Strange series is much the same. Yeah. And so his Batman series, it clearly was dealing with other greater changes in the in the DC universe as it came out. And he was addressing them. And then it ends with essentially it's the story of how Bruce learns not to take Selena for granted. That's what the story is. It's it's the story of them becoming partners. And that seems weird when I say it in a superhero sense. It's the story of them becoming significant others and them becoming romantic partners, life partners in a world where if Selena Kyle is going to be part of this world, then it can't just be the billionaire boys club anymore. It's got to be something else. And again, this is what I really love about Batman. There's a point when Selena meets Talia al Ghul and Talia is like, oh, you're not good enough. He's perfect. And Selena's like, he's not perfect. He's insane. He's a crazy. I love him, but he's not perfect. He's a broken little boy who does a ridiculous thing because of a promise he made when he was 10 out of trauma and grief. He is an absolutely broken human being and I love him. So I'm trying to make him better. And that becomes the story that Tom King tells over 80 issues of this comic and they break up for a while and he spirals, you know, because of it. It's a lot of him making mistakes. He makes mistakes constantly and people not realizing that Batman isn't infallible. Bruce starts to realize over the course of the series that he's not infallible and he thought so. Selena knows he's knows he's not infallible and everybody else just sort of believes in him. And then he, you know, sometimes he makes mistakes and he's just trying to figure that out and deal with it. That is an interesting Batman to me. And that's kind of what I liked about this movie. Robert Pattinson's Batman is not perfect. So I understand why some people might be a little put off by it. People would be like, "Eh, you know, not my Batman. People seem to like it because... He is, you know, he's being, it's very much a detective story. And Batman says he's the world's greatest detective, but mostly he punches people a lot. And this is not exactly that, but But, I don't even want the world's greatest detective. I want a pretty good detective. (laughs) Which actually like what's interesting to like, I, I feel like the thing in my old age and by old age, I mean, 31 years old, that really has made me like think Batman, I don't know. Is like the billionaire thing, which I've, you know, mm-hmm. joked about like four times. Like, it's yeah. like, you know, like, is it like, do we really want a billionaire vigilante running around well, in a mask and, and, just whoever he pleases? Yeah, the well, that, that, is, yeah. that's certainly a problematic aspect of what Batman is these days. A billionaire who rises above the law, takes the law into his own hands because the government, you know, 
can't handle it himself, motivated purely by vengeance. I mean, you know, that, that that's a problematic narrative these mm-hmm. days. And um, just so, just because we're going to get, you know, we're going to get people tweeting us, so you know, so just to make, you know, for I am aware, I don't know if anybody else is the current Batman series currently in Batman. What they're doing, the current story is, what is he if he's not a billionaire? He no longer has access to the mm-hmm. Wayne fortune. Yeah. So it is very well, and, much a how yeah. do you be bat? How do you be Batman yeah. if you're just, you know, if you're just some guy? Well, and, and they're addressing some of that in the current Nightwing series as well, where yeah. he has inherited all of Alfred's money. And rather than just buying, you know, Nightwing planes, he has created a foundation to build back Bloodhaven. You know, <laughs> like he's using his money in positive ways. So that's a yeah. different take on that narrative as, as mm-hmm. well. But it's not just what he does. Like, it's not just that he has money as well. It's the, he, and like, yeah, he operates outside the law, but also like in 2022, like him like working with cops and like trying to rebuild mm-hmm. faith in like mm-hmm. traditional institutions. Like it is a pretty conservative story. Like yeah. it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's like like the detective. Well, I'm just stealing from D. A. Miller, who's a Victorian theorist, but basically like the detective story, which is what Batman is at its heart in many cases, is a story about policing without the police mm-hmm. and finding new ways to convince us to have faith in our institutions and self you know discipline and regulate like that that is well, batman I think, and here's a hot take mm-hmm. batman's terrible at his job yeah well, <laughs> but by by any measure gotham is the worst city to live in anywhere in the dc universe mm-hmm. he he's terrible at it he's, yeah he's i mean he's he is he is a paranoid delusional schizophrenic who you know is a maniac and yeah he's not great at you know, I mean he's Gotham is crime ridden and dark and mm-hmm. it's not safe to live there I'd move to Opal City in a heartbeat if I lived in the DC universe <laughs> I, I John I, I would like you've read probably I mean you've read more golden age stuff than even I have which is a bunch just to build off of what Hannah was saying it is worth noting that the original Batman stories he is very much an upper class hero Batman Batman's origins Batman saves you if you are an industrialist or if you are a woman with a lot of very expensive mm-hmm. jewels well, Batman is not saving poor people in those original yeah, stories well, that's the, the Scarlet Pimpernel he, you know, he's yeah. rescuing nobles from France yeah that's what Batman so was Batman at the very beginning yeah. Batman was like, Batman was like how many poor people will die it doesn't really matter so long as we save their boss that was a lot of early Batman he was very very much yeah. a bourgeois hero. Well, and he's okay Bill Finger, more particularly Bill Finger, who was the writer for the, most of the early Batman stuff. His vision was that this was a combination Bob of... wrote his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to know the full story of what was going on. Yeah. Finger envisioned it as a combination of the British Golden Age detective and the hard-nosed detective from America. And... And a lot of those stories in both cases are upper class. So like Sherlock Holmes wasn't helping your ordinary person worker most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Raymond Chandler novels, he's always helping some is someone wealthy coming to him and saying, I have this problem that I need you to help solve. Mm-hmm. And I think it also gets a deeper issue during the Great Depression of Superman was representative of a new deal saying the government's going to come in and regulate business, get rid of the corruption, and that will then create wealth versus the wealthy people saying, no, let us have free reign to run industry and we will create wealth mm-hmm. again. And so yeah, you have this contract attitudes mm-hmm. and, the, and the Great Depression. So if we move forward... Hannah, you, you talked about like the 2022 The Batman being more politically class conscious. I mean, I would argue that this one, I mean, they're not perfect, but Batman's always had a complicated, you know, partnership with the police. And I would argue that this at least allows you to stop to continue to believe that. Right. Like this yes. story, uh, this movie still wants you to say, you know, if you when it comes down to it, most cops are good. You know, (laughs) I would say like the first half, it's like he's very like besides Jim Gordon, like that's the thing, right? Like, like it's like you're a good apple, Jim. Like it's very like he's much more like antagonistic with the police. But I feel like as time goes on and the movie keeps rolling, it's like like they even have like the new mayor give a speech toward the end 
spoiler alert. It's not really a spoiler. Just talking about like reforms of our institutions and like, you know, the the police are definitely part of what she's talking about for sure. It's, you know, it's, it's like LA Confidential in some ways, not just because it's my favorite noir. So it's what I'm going to compare it to, but it's like, <laughs> it, like it, you know, it's like police are corrupt. Like our government is corrupt. Like, I mean, that's like noir. That's like not really a spoiler for like anything that happens in the Batman. But also we're going to like focus on the police and tell like a story like through this lens of detecting but i I do think it it not just the like i I think that this is a more politically interesting movie than a lot of the other batman movies though because not because of the police angle which i think is fairly typical but because i'm not like i think that it's more i i think there's still some conservative angles to it but it's more likely to critique Bruce as a billionaire. My my favorite parts of the movie was Robert Patton was just Pattinson was just standing there in the Batman costume, and people just like dragged Bruce Wayne to his face, and he had to just stand there and take it. Which is kind yeah. of what made him interesting yeah. to me. He abdicated his responsibility as Bruce Wayne. I won't say more than that, but that like was interesting. And I would say that like I I think that the motivations of the Riddler were muddled, and I won't spoil it, but I really felt. Like, even if it was coincidentally, the Riddler had undertones of, like, white supremacy radicalization, like, as part Mm -hmm. of that narrative. I Um, I think they were were trying, I think that was intentional, but it came out of nowhere in the third act. And it was, uh, like, so for two acts, the Riddler is in the movie Seven. And then for the third act, he's certainly an American, he's suddenly an American psycho. Yeah, I think. I don't know why, he just is. I think that, like. I think that it's not like the Nolan just totally purely like Tale of Two Cities thing of revolutionaries are evil. I definitely think it was doing something more complicated, not in a like clear way. I think it's still politically messy. I'm trying not to like fully spoil the movie Mm -hmm. because I want people to enjoy it and also enjoy our podcast. But also by the time this comes out, it's going to be out for two weekends. So how much do you care? But I definitely feel like there there was like an attempt to explore white supremacy, which, you know, people like Alan Moore point out have been a big problem in uh, superhero comics. I also feel like the like blame for the bad things in Gotham was more put on the failure of institutions and bad billionaires than it was on like the masses you know just being irrational like in the the sort of crowd scenario i Mm. mean again i still think that like there was like some of that because you can't hate batman too much if he's your main character and you're a studio trying to make money and there's always capitalism involved in like churning out these superhero movies no matter how artful they are but there was something more here (laughs) that's what i'm trying to say it's probably longer than it should be because i'm trying to skirt around the spoilers but i think it should I think people should see it. I think people should invest in other Batman stories. I I was going to propose, I think maybe we haven't done a syllabus show in a while. And this is another thing where uh, one of the ones where I think we could do a syllabus show on Batman. So let us know in the comments if you'd like that, because I actually have some really good recommendations for. I think that the idea of Batman, because he's such a universal character that everybody knows that, like, you, you know, you can do a Batman story without, you know, explaining every detail of the origin and just expect people to get it. I think he's interesting in that respect. And so I think we could put together a whole class on, you know, culture of the Batman. So if you'd like to see us do a syllabus show, let us know. I think, John, you'd probably be interested in that, I know, because you're working on it. But I, I can put together that syllabus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we did mention it, but in addition to the essays I'm working on, I also wrote my dissertation on Batman. So I have some familiarity yeah. with the yes, that's, 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 that's kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> but what makes Batman interesting is this is not us doing a deep dive into the question, you know, or who's one of, who is a character that I think is fascinating, that I think has an amazing history that, that I could, that, that I could go on about for, you know, just talking about Denny O'Neill's run on the question compared to Ditko's run on the question. There's so many things for me to say. No one cares. What makes Batman interesting is I think that so many people care. People do have that experience and people do have thoughts about him already. Mm-hmm. 
so we've resolved nothing yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but you know, like the, the thing is, is that like no matter what any of the four of us say, someone's going to agree with us, and someone's going to like feel like maybe tweeting us and telling us how wrong we are. Well, and that's it. Batman people have very strong feelings about who their Batman is and and their headcanon, and yeah, I mean. I would like to know if you want us to do the syllabus show. Let us know. Give us a comment. Send us a tweet, something. People don't do that enough. I, I, I want to hear from people more. But also, just what your favorite Bat stories are, and did you like this film or not? And why do you think this character works? You know, what makes a Batman good? <laughs> you know, we're mm -hmm. talking about, like, whether we like this movie or not. What is it you're looking for in a Batman movie? Question for everybody before we go. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, what have we not talked about that is your... I know this might be leading into our syllabus show, but what... What have we not talked about that it's like your favorite Batman that we should have talked about but forgot to? I want to know. Okay. Okay. I, okay. As a final um, thought. Okay. So, yeah, preview of a syllabus show. And I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm traditionally really bad at picking favorites always. Batman Wonder Woman, the Hycatia. If I have to do a Batman story that is not actually about Tim or Stephanie or Dick or, you know, all the people I find more interesting than Batman. A Batman story that's actually about Batman is Batman Wonder Woman, the Hycatia. It is a story of the differences in approach to saving somebody that Batman and Wonder Woman have. And what does Batman do when he realizes that he is outclassed by Wonder Woman? Spoilers, he's a dick. But he's a dick in an interesting way. So so that's that is a story that I absolutely love and yeah, would be recommending on a on a silver show. In terms of, of older stuff that well, just my mind just went blank. Engelhart's Marshall Rogers run from the late seventies, early eighties, I thought okay. was so well done. And I think you know, it, it was definitely a step toward what Batman became with with, with Dark Knight and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give two recommendations since partly uh, looking to a syllabus show, but also because they're fascinating things. I mentioned that Bill Finger wrote most of the early Batman stuff. There's a six issue run. Bill Finger wrote two issues. Then Gardner Fox came on for six issues and the Bill Finger came back. And that six issue run by Gardner Fox is fascinating and what it does for Batman, establishing Batman as more than just a detective, more than just someone in a suit that this really is building the superhero genre. Hmm. And the other thing I would recommend okay. is the Batman manga from the 60s. Okay. And the Batman TV show was exported to Japan. It also became a big hit. And I forget the creator's name, but they got permission to do a Batman manga that was in the in manga style. It was really set in Japan. They created new villains for it. And I, I would do that as something very different of how to look at Batman from a different culture. Mm. Yes. That's awesome. So if you want more of this, definitely let us know. Yeah. Hannah, did yeah. you have one, Hannah? Or, oh, or? yes. But it's like no no one who reads Batman seriously will be surprised. But I think it should get a mention because I have a similar attachment to it. Batman The Long Halloween, which mm -hmm. like heavily Nolan borrowed from for <laughs> The Dark Knight. But I, I taught it in my detective fiction class. And someone originally asked me, like, why is Batman on your syllabus uh, for a mystery fiction class? And I said, he's the world's greatest detective. And actually, it works really well. It's like a really great noir. Taught really well with LA Confidential. Surprise. I taught that too. <laughs> we could like, do... We should do a film noir episode too. Oh, I, I really, I oh, you said it before I did because I was going to be like, hey, let's do some more genre stuff. Film noir. Um, I would, I would love hardboiled detectives in general. Is I think a or just detectives. Doesn't even have to be all hardboiled. I, I have a mystery fiction show in the cards. Mm -hmm. I think this year might be the year of the genres because I have gothic fiction, mystery fiction, noir. We already did romance. So yeah, so definitely let us know in the comments what you want to hear us do shows on. Anyway, in the meantime, for the listeners, we had technical difficulties and John got split off from the recording. So I will say on his behalf that you can catch John as a regular panelist on our good friends, the protagonist podcast, which is hosted by his brother, Joe and his brother, Andrew. And John is probably their most frequent guest. But in addition to that, John is will be appearing. He'll probably be on the show again very soon because he'll be appearing with us at PCA, the Pop Culture Association annual conference, which is coming up in like four or five well, weeks. Yeah. It's really soon and I am not prepared. So. <laughs> It's like a month, like literally like almost a month to the day. Yeah, I'm actually mostly prepared because I'm not teaching at four different colleges. <laughs> yeah, I'm only teaching at three different colleges. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> but uh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, 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 Mav, anything you want to plug for John? 
Oh, yes. Also, John is the editor of a collection of books on adapting comic book properties into other media. So there is one on adapting Superman out, which has depictions of Superman in movies and TV and video games and other media. And it has an essay by me in it, as well as John, as well as other things coming out. And I'm sure he'll be on the show to promote them once they do. Yeah. Palindrome Hannah, what about you? You can find me here. And at PCA in a month. And Wayne. I, 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 this isn't promoting anything. I guess just a little dropping whatever uh, since we're talking about Batman. A few years ago, I think you were probably there for at least part of this, Mav. When Batman was filming in Pittsburgh, Jerry Robinson, one of the earliest artists on the book and arguably one of the creators, co-creators of both Robin and the Joker, was in his 90s and came and did a presentation at the Tunesium. And I was able to interview him and moderate that panel. He also appeared at our store and it ended up being his last public appearance. He passed away about six months later at, I think he was 99 years old. So yeah, so just as a, that was pretty awesome to, he's sitting there telling stories, all these golden age comics creators that we think of in these legendary terms. And they were just his pals that he went out to eat with and double dated with. So yeah, it just, it was a really pretty awesome experience. And sharp, you know, 90, 98, 99 years old. He was sharp and with it and really pretty remarkable person. So, so there, that's my Batman anecdote. <laughs> and then you can find you on. Yeah. And you can find me the same places as in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. In the show notes here. Yep. Okay. And let's see, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show, all those same places at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where you can find out what we're talking about next week. It's the Oscars. Oh, wow. It's exciting. Are you guys excited about the Oscars? I don't care. Yeah, you guys suck. You can follow, you should follow the show's blog. You find out what we're talking about next week. You can leave us comments on this or any other show. You can give us suggestions for what we should talk about next. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that tweaks the algorithms, makes us more popular, helps other people find the show. And, you know, it saves Batman from the Joker or the Riddler. I don't know how. It just does. It's very important to the plot. Just make sure you leave us a five-star review. I mean, honestly, that makes more plot sense than some of the things in some of the Batman movies. Yeah, we're we're, we're saving Batman from obscurity. That's That's right. That's right. He needs us. Fox Podcast. He he needs us. (laughs) I would like to thank Maximilian of Buttform Music for our epic theme song, Building Ever So More Epically and Playing Us Out. I'd once again like to thank John for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.